If you would, turn your Bibles tonight to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2, I got about a two-hour message and about 25 minutes to preach it in. And so I'll be preaching at speeds of about 100 miles per hour with gusts up to 150. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing with you this passage of Scripture. And tonight's message is titled this, Trying to Find Purpose in Life Without Eternity. Trying to find purpose in life without eternity. And that's what we find Solomon doing throughout the whole book of Ecclesiastes. And the answer to the sermon title is this, you can't. You can't find purpose in life without eternity. You just can't do it. Let me read it to you, this text tonight, verse number 12 of Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes 2 verse 12, And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath already been, been done? Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly. As far as light excels darkness, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And and why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this is also vanity." For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man? As the fool. Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored. And wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun, this is also vanity. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion." This also is vanity and a great evil. For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrows and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. For who can eat or who else can hasten hereunto more than I? For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail, to gather and to heap up, that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Trying to find purpose in life without eternity, I'll just tell you this, it's impossible. And we come to this text and we see a change kind of in Solomon's perspective and the way he's going to deal with things. He's looked at, uh, at knowledge and he's looked at, uh, at pleasure and he's looked at all these things that he thought that might make him happy. And when he had exploited all that seemingly was enjoyable and pleasant and meaningful in life, he says at the end of it, he says, everything under the sun... 
Everything on this planet is vanity and vexation of spirit. I find it empty. And he thinks to himself, perhaps I've just got the wrong attitude. And he says, I'm going to try to fix my attitude. And I'm going to try to have a little better perspective. This is Solomon's attempt at the end of chapter number 2 to enjoy the power of positive thinking. He says, the reason that I'm not satisfied is because I've got a bad attitude. And a lot of the times... There's some truth and you're not happy because you got a bad attitude. But I'm just going to tell you something. Even a good attitude about life and living is not the answer to a purpose-filled, satisfied, enriched life. How can I find purpose in life apart from eternity? The answer is you cannot. You cannot. If we're honest, and honest people have to deal with the fact that life has an end. Life has an end. Honest people answer the question, what then? You ask teenagers, what are you going to do when you get out of high school? I'm going to college, okay, what then? What are you going to do when you get out of college? I'm going to get married, okay, what then? What are you going to do after you get married? I'm going to... Have a family and get a job, a career. Okay, great. What then? Well, I'm going to retire. Okay, that's great. What then? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to enjoy retirement. Okay, great. What then? And you can ask enough what then until finally they have to come to grips with the fact I'm going to die. Someone said this and I liked it. Life is like toilet paper. Are you interested yet? Life is like toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. What then? I'll just tell you something. Honest thinking people, even at the prime of the enjoyments of their life, have to ask, and God puts in their heart this question, what then, what then, what about eternity? And Solomon is just being an honest person looking at life and literally trying to separate God and eternity from life and living. And he's trying to find purpose in life. And when he comes down to it, he just has to let us all know, I can't find any. I can't find any. And so here he is in chapter number 2. He says, okay, I've tried success and I've tried doing, I've tried experiencing all there is. I've not withheld anything from my flesh that I want. He says, and I'm still not happy. And then he begins to think again, well, maybe I just got a bad attitude. And you might have a bad attitude. I'm not saying having a bad attitude is right, but I'm just going to tell you something. The sweetest and the grandest of attitudes And a change of heart and turning over a new leaf and the power of positive thinking ultimately will not give you peace in your heart and will not answer the eternity question that God has put inside of all of us. And so Solomon begins to look at it and begins to to study and begins to try his best to understand and find purpose in life without eternity. And the first place he goes... We find in verses 12 through 17, he says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Number one, I'm going to choose the best of two evils. He says, I got a bad attitude. He says, I'm thinking about things. And he says, I understand it, that, you know, there's, 
you know, there's wisdom in life, there's fool, foolishness in life, and both of those have, have their positives, and both of them have their end. He said, so I think that I'm just going to try to choose the best of two evils. He says, I'm just going to choose to be wise. You can just watch, you can see his demeanor changes. He's trying to be extra wise and extra smart with his life. And maybe, just maybe, by choosing the better of two evils, maybe just by choosing the best or the better in life rather than doing the things that are foolish, then finally I can find some purpose in life apart from eternity. And here's how it turns out. Look at the Bible says in verse number 12. He says, I turn myself to behold wisdom. And madness and folly. He says, I've experienced all three of those. And I'm looking for the end of them. For what can the man do that cometh after the king? He says, what can somebody do after me that I've not already attempted? And the answer is this, even that which hath already been done. He says, anybody that comes after me is going to have to do something I've already tried. He says, I've tried all these things. I've found them to their end. He said, but here's what I thought, verse 13. Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly. As far as light excels darkness. He says, he, he says, I've tried the foolish thing and I've tried the wise thing. He says, and what I've come to grips with is it's far better to be wise than it is to be foolish. And we can say amen there. It's true. He says, I've come to find out that being wise is better than being foolish. And all God's people said amen. All of us parents raising children said hallelujah. It is so much better to be wise than foolish. He says, I've found out that it's far better to be wise then food. He says, wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. He says, so I'm going to, I decide to be wise instead of foolish. I like that. It's good. The Bible says in verse 14, he says, the wise man's eyes are in his head. I like that description. He says, a wise man has his eyes open. A wise man's paying attention. Have you ever been around somebody that just seems like they're walking through life with their eyes closed? How'd you miss that? You talk about people, they're just not paying attention. They're not living life with their eyes open. And that's what Solomon said. He says, a wise man's got his eyes in his head. He says, it's better to be wise than foolish. And it's true. He says, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceive also that one... <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'm allergic to something up here. Maybe Troy, I doubt it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool, verse 14, walketh in darkness. The Bible, and he says, he says, look, I know it's better to be wise. He says, but listen, listen to this. He says, but I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. What event happens to wise people and foolish people? What happens to all people if the Lord tarries his coming? Death. So he's beginning to think. He says, well, I've come up with something. He says, I know how to get fullness out of life. I'm going to choose the best of two evils. I'm going to choose to be wise instead of foolish. But then he says, as I've thought about being wise and how much better it is to be wise than foolish, he says, one thing that's come to my mind that's kind of shattered my hopes and dreams of finding hope and peace and satisfaction and wisdom and wise living is <laughs> I'm going to die and the fool's going to die. Life is short. He says, hmm, 
kind of shatters my hopes and dreams of being able to turn over a new leaf, to have positive thinking and change my attitude and get some peace. And he says in verse number 15, he says, Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise than I said in my heart? That this also is vanity. For there's no remembrance of the wise. He says, look, it's vain, it's vanity. To even give yourself to wisdom because that your efforts in wisdom, they're just going to end in death. He says, this is, this is vain. He says in verse 16, there's no remembrance of the wise more than the, or the fool forever. He says, down the road in the near future, I'll be as forgotten as the fool is. Why live wisely when it's easier to live foolish? If there's no eternity. Seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man? You see these questions? I love these. There's all kinds of questions and answers in this passage. He says, how dieth the wise man? Question mark. As the fool. The wise man, the fool, die the same. Verse 17, therefore, he says, the product in my heart was this. I hated life. How many of you ever said that about your day? I hated life. <laughs> He said, therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. I like that little word, vexation. I uncovered another definition that really helped me understand vexation today. Grasping at the wind. Oh, there it is. Oh, you ever tried to catch the wind? Can't do it. And so Solomon says... He says, I've tried to find purpose in life without eternity. And he says, I've decided to change my attitude. And surely, if I have a better attitude about it, and I'd make wiser decisions, then surely there's satisfaction, ultimate peace in my heart by making good decisions. What's the end of somebody that's got a good attitude? Death. How long is the lifespan of somebody that has a great attitude and does good things? And makes wise decisions. It's not much different than one who doesn't. Especially in comparison to eternity. And so Solomon comes to this conclusion. And I know it's not the most exciting conclusion. But he comes to this conclusion. He says, you know, the difference between being wise and foolish. Though it's much better to be wise and it is. The difference between being wise and foolish is not something that will satisfy the yearning of a soul that was created for eternity. He says, even making wise decisions, when I come to the end of it and thought it through, I said, this is vanity and vexation of spirit. He says, choosing the best of two evils, it did not satisfy my soul. Number two, okay, maybe I should do this, living for future generations. Point number two is living for future generations. I don't know about you, but I think it's important that we live in light of the fact that there are people coming after us. And you can find that all through the Bible. As a matter of fact, you've probably heard me preach on a number of times, talking about the importance of we paying attention and acknowledging the fact that we're not just living for ourselves, but for generations to come. And so Solomon has this idea, okay, I'm not satisfied being wise I'm not satisfied living for myself, so maybe I should live for somebody else. Now, I'll tell you, it's good to live for somebody else. Jesus set an example. Not only did he live for somebody else, but he died for somebody else, and it's good. 
But if your hearts beat and your compassion and your yearning in life and your seeking for fulfillment is down the path of living for somebody else or living for somebody's future, Solomon has something to say about that too. He says that's not going to ultimately satisfy and answer all the questions to honest thinking people. Look what the Bible says in verse 18. He says, Yea, I hated all my labor, which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. Now, the first thing you read in, sentence, in, this, in this verse number 18, you think, man, he's being really selfish. He says, I just can't really stand the thoughts of all the work that I'm doing being in somebody else's hand. Now, he continues, he says in verse 19, he says, Who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? He's saying, now look, I'm doing all this work, and I want to live for future generations. I want to leave a heritage, and a godly heritage is good, and an inheritance is something that the Bible says that we ought to leave to generations to come. But he says, all right, let me live for the future generations. But then he thinks to himself, who's to say whether the next person that gets all the reward of my labors is a fool? He says, boy, I don't like that thought. You'll know the truth. The chances of you leaving something to a fool is pretty high. He says, you know, that kind of puts a, bitter taste and the sweet thought of leaving a heritage. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm just telling you that if you find your fulfillment in leaving something to the generation to come, you're missing God's purpose. And you're missing what will ultimately satisfy you. He says in verse 19, Who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool, yet shall he have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. He says, this is also vanity. He says, it's vain to think of what's going to come of what I've left. How many of you have ever watched somebody squander an inheritance? Isn't it sad? Psalm's saying, I know this is probably going to happen down the line, and I can't prevent it. He said, so living for an inheritance, living to give an inheritance, living to save up something for the next generation. He said, he said that's vanity. It just isn't the ultimate. It can't be the ultimate purpose of my life. Verse 20 says, therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. He said, it broke my heart to think about it. Verse 21, for there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge. He says, this is how I thought. There's a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and great evil. He says, I just thought to myself, all the labor that I've done in wisdom and knowledge and equity, great things, and then I'm going to leave it to somebody that's just going to squander it away. He says, I thought about living for future generations. He said, I found it vanity and vexation of spirit. Choosing the best of two evils, it didn't satisfy, and it won't. Living for the future generations, it didn't satisfy, and it won't. Number three, he says, okay, I'm just going to do my best to make the most of a bad situation. He says, I'm just going to have to have the most basest of understanding. He says, I'm just going to have to make the most out of it. He gets this attitude. He says, well, maybe I can get some ultimate peace from just making lemonade out of lemons. Here's what he says in verse number 24. 
In verse 24, it says, There's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. Let me take a side note there for a second. How many of you can understand that verse number 24, taken out of context, could be a really, really bad verse? It's not a bad verse. But out of context, it's a bad verse. If someone comes to you and says, here's what the Bible says, there's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. I'll just tell you something. You take that verse out of context, you're going to make a mess. Because there is, and Solomon's going to prove the point. He's going to say, he's going to teach us that there is something better in life than just eating, drinking, and being merry. But he says, here's, I'm trying my best to get to the bottom of life and enjoy and find purpose in life without eternity. He says, maybe I should just make the most out of a bad situation. Maybe I should just have a better attitude about the things that are going on. Maybe I should just drink away. Maybe I should just drink away the sorrows and the reality of a life that is so short. He says, hmm, maybe this is what God has for us. There's nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink, that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. Let me tell you something, there is something better. The Bible says in verse 25, he says, who can eat, who can hasten here unto more than I? He says, who in the world is there that can eat, drink, and be merry more than me? <laughs> there was no one. Verse 26, he says, I've seen this to be true. God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. Now, let me tell you something. It's a fact. There is no doubt that doing good produces good things. It's just a fact. You leave God out and you do good, it will produce often good things. And that's what Solomon's saying. He said, this is how God's made the world. You live wisely, you get wise results. And it's true, saved or lost, whatsoever man soweth, that shall also reap. And Solomon's saying, now look, God give it to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. And you behave well, even lost God-denying people who behave themselves and do things right. They're going to have things to enjoy during life. But Solomon's making a point. He says the good guy gets good things for a short life. And look what he says. But to the sinner he giveth travail. You know, sin has its consequences, right? To a sinner, travail, to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. He says, this is also vanity and vexation of spirit. When I read this for the very first time in a long time, I thought, what in the world? He's saying God's blessings is vanity and vexation of spirit. Not exactly. But he's saying life lived, good lives lived. Trying to enjoy, the, just do the best I can. Just try to love and live and, and give and be good and wise. And those lives, these good, well-lived, moral lives, what do they produce? A lot of times they produce good things. But how long do they produce good things for? Life. And he says, sinful people, sinners, they live their life and they suffer consequences. 
But for how long? Life. And Solomon looks at it, he says, The best of two evils, wisdom is better than foolishness, but wisdom ends in death. He says, Future generations living for somebody else, it's less selfish, but who's to say that what I've lived for is not going to be squandered away by some fool down the line? And he says, I'm going to make the most of a bad situation. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. He says, sure, God rewards good behavior for life. It's true. But how long does it last? Just the length of a short life. He says, I found this to be vanity and vexation of spirit. Why is Solomon yearning for eternity? Because God created Solomon for eternity. Why do men, since creation, yearn for something longer than life? There's something you can find everywhere you go. There's something you can find everywhere you go. Third world countries, jungles, prehistoric people. There's something you can find in every people group everywhere you go. You can find people looking for purpose in life and life beyond life. Why? Why is that so important to every person that's ever lived? I'll tell you, because God created you for eternity. How many of you, when your kids wanted to learn how, wanted to be able to fly? Everybody remember that? I remember thinking, I remember sitting dreaming about, man, wouldn't it be awesome if I could fly? I thought that would be the answer to my poor basketball playing. If I could fly, it'd be awesome. I could dunk a basketball if I could fly. I thought it would be really cool to be able to fly because I didn't like walking long distance. And I especially didn't like running. As a kid, I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome? How many of you ever had the, man, wouldn't it be cool to be able to fly? How many of you have spent days and days of your life with your soul vexed because you couldn't fly? (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, I've thought about it several times and quite a bit today. But I've never spent one day of my, with my soul vexed over the fact that I can't fly. Do you know why? God didn't create me to fly. And I'm okay with not being able to fly. That's fine. God didn't create me for that. But I'm going to tell you something. God did create me for eternity. And I'm not okay with living a life That is emphasizing exclusively the temporary, temporal things to the neglect of the eternal. And the bottom line is truth. No person is. God has put in your DNA as his created child a yearning for life after death. And I want you to know something. All the good deeds you can do, all the works for religion, all the wise decisions you can make, all the heritages that you can leave to the next generations, all of those things are vain if there's no eternity. Solomon says, Whoa, even the best of intentions and the best of attitudes and the highest of morals without eternity. He says it's vanity, empty. It's vexation of spirit grasping at the wind 
He says there's got to be more to life. Keep your finger there and turn with me as we close. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58. What in the world is it then that can cause life to be without vanity? What is it that can cause life to be not in vain? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and beginning in verse 55. The Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What's the answer to the sting. You know what Solomon was saying? He's like, everywhere I look, I'm suffering from the understanding of the sting of death. Life is so short. I'm suffering from the understanding of the sting of death. The what then question is driving me bonkers. And the answer for all of God's people is very simple. The sting of death is conquered through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the life that's lived that's not vain is the labor that we do for God and His glory for eternity. Now, don't get me wrong. The only labor that you can do for eternity is not dressed in a suit, preaching a message from a pulpit, being a missionary on a foreign field. But every work that we do in our lives, hey, look, when you're a child of God, living wisely is something that produces eternal results. Wisdom and wise living and righteous living and moral living in light of the fact that you're a child of God and your eternity is secure through faith in Christ is something that's eternal and has eternal purpose. Leaving a heritage for your children. And generations to come, when Christ is your Savior, that is a life that's lived with eternal purpose and it's fulfilling. Doing good, making the most of bad situations, reaping from good behavior and righteous living. When Jesus is your Savior, that life is not lived in vain. What's the... What's the hitch pin? What holds it all together? What holds it all together is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth that because of the forgiveness of sin, me who is created in the image of God, eternal, will live forever in glory with Jesus. This life is not all there is. Hallelujah. It's short. It's short. But when we live our little short lives with eternity's values in view, guess what? This life has purpose. This life has purpose. And Solomon, he says, how do you find purpose in life without eternity? Bottom line is, you don't. You don't. But all of us know that there's a God-shaped void in all of our souls. And you need the Lord. We need the Lord. And we need to learn to live for eternity. I'll tell you what. It'll bring great peace to your heart living with eternity's values 
in view. I love this old song, and I've sang it to you before, but I'm doing it again. I love it. It helps me. With eternity's values in view, Lord, with eternity's values in view, may I do each day's work for Jesus with eternity's values in view. I love that. With eternity's values in view, Lord. With eternity's values in view. May I do each day's work for Jesus. With eternity's values in view. I pray the Lord will help us to live for eternity. You see, if you leave Jesus out, if you leave the message of the gospel out in all of your good deeds, your life is devoid of real purpose. you got to have Jesus. Let's pray.